Welcome to Lost in Twin Peaks. Just a quick note, I mentioned this on Saturday's uh, intro podcast, but the illustrated companion for this week, the screenshots and, and uh, images from the historical context of the time and character rankings and all that, that's going up this Saturday after these podcast episodes. And that'll be true for the first part of uh, first half of season three. So uh, th- even though I mentioned it in yesterday's episode, or uh, I put it in the links, uh, that link won't be active until Saturday. So just wanted to make sure in case somebody clicked on that and was confused. Today we cover the events in parts one and two that happen in the town of Twin Peaks. Then the next story section we're going to cover is Twin Peaks, and there's a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, many different characters. In this episode, probably close close to a dozen different characters or different situations, uh, different storylines, I should say. The first that we see is Jacoby. He receives a bunch of shovels. We don't know why. It's interesting that Lynch decides to basically begin the episode in, in, in earnest with Jacoby. We've seen that giant Cooper sequence already, but that was kind of out of place, out of time. You know, the beginning of the plot or the story proper feels like it's it's with Jacoby receiving these shuttle, shovels, which is an interesting uh, gesture to make. Another storyline is Ben and Beverly. We meet Beverly, who is Ben's new uh, assistant, and uh, they talk together about a difficult customer, and then he introduces his brother Jerry to Beverly, and after she leaves, he kind of teases her, Jerry teases Ben about her, and Ben says that she deserves respect, and also she's married. So we're learning all the stuff about her. This whole sequence feels pretty frosty, and I think uh, it's it's got a fair amount of expository detail, some quirky dialogue, some sort of social ramifications, um, and that leads us to Jerry's storyline, which intersects with Ben here. It establishes the fact that he's opened up a legal uh, marijuana business, that he's making these pot brownies and things like that. There's a great line that Ben has to Jerry. He says, a prophet is without honor who eats his own profits. And that line feels particularly frosty. And I think the great Northern set also feels kind of isolated. You know, I'm not sure where they shot this. If they actually went up to like the Salish lodge and shot it. My suspicion is they shot it on a built uh, constructed set in Los Angeles. You know, that, that seems most likely because I think, Ben's office was always a set. I don't think we really see it in the pilot. So it's, it's something that was always created uh, on a soundstage. And you kind of feel it here. You f- you feel it also a little with the sheriff's station, which I believe actually was shot up in Washington. But it's all these interiors. So I don't think it's till the end of the episode that we get a sense of Twin Peaks as like this community. We're just seeing these little glimpses into these little areas of it. It, it doesn't feel like a unified place the way it does in the original pilot. At least not quite yet. Now, the primary story in Twin Peaks is the Cooper investigation. It's the sheriff's station reopening the Laura Palmer case so they can figure out what happened to Cooper. And in this episode, that's dealt with by the log lady calling Hawk, him opening up the Laura case again and bringing Lucy and Andy into the room and showing them all the files. And then uh, Hawk going to Glastonbury Grove where the log lady calls him again. He's shining a flashlight and he sort of sees a glimpse of the red curtains at a certain point. We meet Sarah again. And in this scene, all we see is Sarah watching lions goring beasts on TV. You know, they're just mauling some kind of wildebeest or something. She's smoking and drinking a little bit and watching it in her house, same old house, you know, the Palmer house that we've seen before. In the roadhouse, we get, uh, I guess you could call it the roadhouse storyline where bands play and characters talk. Uh, In this case, the chromatics are the band. And they're really perfectly suited to this to this vibe. This is the first scene where the Twin Peaks mystique 
really manifests itself. It's not just, you know, here's a couple characters or locations or plot points from the original Twin Peaks, but really Lynch and Frost want to make a whole new story and they're just, you know, using their old show as an excuse. This is the first scene that's like, oh, no, no, no. This is at least partly about returning to this world and luxuriating in a little bit. It's just a very powerful moment. We also meet Freddy, uh, James's friend. He doesn't have too much of a story in this episode, except we do learn that he's coming to the roadhouse for the first time. That plus his British accent tells us, you know, he's a, he's a stranger in this town. Another storyline is uh, Becky, Shelley's daughter. We don't meet her yet, but we do hear about the fact that she's, you know, according to Shelley, my daughter's with the wrong guy. So we get this sense that she's in some sort of trouble. You know, she's the classic Lynchian woman in trouble, even though we've not met her yet. And yet Shelley is told, oh, everyone loves Stephen. It gives the episode a touch of the soap opera vibe. There's a few other moments, I think, when Phyllis confronts Hastings. There's there's definitely some sort of dynasty Dallas uh, melodrama going on there. But for the most part, it's not a very soap operatic episode. It really avoids that element, which was so central to the earlier Twin Peaks. This is a nice moment where it's like, okay, we're getting that little domestic drama subplot within the story. James's storyline is also introduced in the same scene at the Roadhouse. He eyes Renee, one of Shelley's friends, and kind of looks away when she catches his eye. And Shelley goes, you know, teases her. Oh, he, he likes you. And the other friend says that James is weird. And Shelley explains that he was in a motorcycle accident at one point. He's just kind of quiet now. And then she says the immortal line, James is cool. James has always been cool. We also meet Jean-Michel serving at the bar there. And uh, we kind of wonder, wait, why is that Jacques Renault? It looks like the same actor. What's going on there? We also get the Shelley Red storyline, the seeds planted of that. Shelley's hanging out at a table with her friends at the roadhouse. And Red, uh, you know, played by Balthazar Getty, points at her and with a sort of a cocked gun finger kind of gesture and she smiles at him so something's going on there and of course we wonder well gee what happened to bobby you know so that's a nice kickoff to that little storyline finally there's a random you can't call it a storyline it's basically a non sequitur an insurance man visits the sheriff station and lucy confuses the hell out of him and he walks away it sets up that there's going to be two sheriff trumans or rather that there's a new sheriff truman because uh, we already know about the old one. I'm going to skip the top storyline section for season three, where I talk about the storyline that has the most scenes, because uh, the scenes can vary so much in screen time that just numbering scenes isn't actually a very useful metric. Uh, some could be like nine or ten minutes long. Some could be like 30 seconds. So who cares how many scenes the story lasts? I've done enough calculation with the character screen time for season three, so I don't want to do more for storyline. So we'll just leave that out. As far as returning original cycle storylines goes, though, like stories that are you know haven't been heard for from for a while, I guess you could say the Horn family life is back seven entries after its last appearance. I think the last time we dealt with that storyline was where uh, Ben was telling Audrey that he wanted her to be his his Bobby Kennedy, his Johnny screaming in the background. Um, I guess you could say maybe in Miss Twin Peaks when he's trying to get her to run in the contest. That's sort of more for the family business. If you can parse out the family versus the business part, that was that that scene with Audrey and Ben where she shakes his hand. Uh, that's kind of the last moment we get of like their family life. Now we get that again in this episode with, of course, Jerry and Ben talking and what they're up to. And he says, is that mother's hat and all of that. So returning storyline there. Actually, there are some other storylines that are returning now that I think about it. I'm adding the section later on, going back to the public podcast and uh, adding in these thoughts after I did some later episodes and realized 
oh yeah, there's more stuff I could mention. So one of those is uh, related to the Horn family storyline. That's Ben trying to be good, which we haven't seen since the season two finale. And here that's pretty much folded into Ben and Beverly as Jerry teases him about how he used to be and how he's trying to be now, even uh, 30 years later or 25 years later, I guess he uh, is, his, his past still hangs over him in other people's eyes. Also in part two, some storylines come back. One of them is the Palmer family. Uh, we see both Leland and Sarah, and at this point, I think it's fair to branch these off into different stories. And uh, in Sarah's case, continuing this thread from Firewalk With Me, we can now f- fold it into the Sarah alone, or, or I guess evolve it into the Sarah alone storyline. What is Sarah's life now alone in this house? It's not quite the Palmer family anymore, although this story branches off from that legacy. Lucy's pregnancy, we haven't seen it since uh, the season two finale, because obviously Firewalk Me, uh, Missing Pieces was a prequel. They say something like, oh, that was around the time Wally was born when Cooper disappeared. And Laura's murder, of course, the through line of certainly the first half of Twin Peaks and very much in Firewalk With Me, You could say that continues, too, from Firewalk With Me, The Missing Pieces, into Season 3, but at this moment, at least, pretty much folded within the Cooper investigation story. So this is the case with a lot of old series storylines. They are back, but um, they're folded into new storylines that kind of take us in a new direction. So for the same thing with the Horn family. I think you could say that story about uh, their family dynamic is now becoming Jerry's business. Uh, as him and Ben banter back and forth about the the weed business and everything. It's kind of evolving into that. That's it for this episode. You can become a patron on patreon.com slash lost in the movies. And you can also rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That's the best way to get other people to see it as well. Tomorrow's episode will conclude these uh, story recaps by location by looking at the events of the spirit world and then also digging deeper into what we call lodge lore.